Today's guest on the podcast is Jonathan Braithwaite of Singani 63. We hear the backstory to the spirit and how Jonathan came to be involved. And we discuss their strategy for establishing Singani 63 outside of Bolivia. Enjoy. My name is Jonathan Brathwaite. I'm the COO of Singani 63. Singani um, 63 is imported or exported out of Bolivia to the world by uh, acclaimed filmmaker Steven Soderbergh. Um, Steven was introduced to Singani 11 years ago while he was shooting Che um, in Bolivia. And his Bolivian casting director gave him a bottle of Casa Real Black Label Singani at this welcome party. And um, when he tasted it at this welcome party, it stopped him in his tracks. He was just like, what is this? This is, this is incredible. I've never had anything like it. And so he went back to Rodrigo and he, he asked him questions about it. And Stephen has talked to me about how he has made his life choices and his artistic career off of moments of the exceptional. And he felt that this was that one of those moments. It, it really did stop him. And he, he wanted more of it. He wanted he, to learn more about it. Um, and so he, they, they drank it uh, the whole time that they were shooting Che. The joke that I normally say is... It's part of the reason why Che is a seven-hour film. They drank a lot of Zingani during the shoot, uh, but everyone fell in love with it. The whole entire, his whole crew, the editing crew, camera, camera department, they all would pass around a bottle of Zingani every night. Um, he had a suite set up to, to edit Che every night after filming. And they would pass around a bottle of Singani. And it became very ritualistic or communal, very similar to Bolivia. Singani is their national spirit that has a legacy of 500 years. And yet, this is the first time it's ever left landlocked Bolivia. But Singani is part of their, their culture. It's been part of their, their pastime. When you go to Bolivia, it's on every menu across the entire country. You have multiple versions of Singani that you can experience. Um, but it was so refreshing to see Singani everywhere. Um, and so, so Stephen fell in love. It was, it, it, this is not to sound trite, but it, it was a love story. Uh, he fell passionately in love with this, and it haunted him. It, he got back to the United States after shooting for six or seven months, and he was hooked. And you can't get Singani. Singani has only been available in landlocked Bolivia. Um, with this history dating back to the 1530s when Spanish missionaries brought the Moscot grape of Alexandria over from Spain to Bolivia... And then sometime shortly thereafter, they also brought over distillation methods and then distilled their wine into what was the first version of Singani. Um, so that, that's kind of how Singani really kind of came to be. 
Um, he partnered with the Grenier family of Casarayel. Casarayel is the number one producer of Singani in the world. They have been doing this for over a century. Um, this was the family that back in the 1920s went to the Middle East and parts of, of Africa to understand how to grow grapes in the desert. And they brought that proprietary knowledge back to Bolivia and, and started really the Singani industrialization. And not only the industrial, but also the national spirit of Bolivia. Um, so they are the, the most highly respected family um, and house that have been doing this. And they have that proprietary knowledge. Um, and Casa Real Black Label is, is perhaps the most respected uh, Singani in the world. Um, Sigani 63 is, is a very close association to Black Label, except that it is one step above in that it is only using um, uh, estate grapes as opposed to uh, estate and also cooperative vineyards. So it's, it's like Grand Cru and Premier Cru grapes. It's just, it's just that one little step above in terms of making sure that they're getting what they consider the very, very best and having that control over their um their grape production so i was a shakespearean actor i was a shakespearean actor for 10 years um i had a love for language and a love for stories and uh when i wasn't acting as most actors have to have a side job i ended up getting involved in the liquor industry i found that the liquor industry was about about telling stories about brand ambassadors that could tell uh, an exciting, intriguing stories. And it was also an industry about relationships, about building of relationships. Um, so I started building this kind of side secondary career in the liquor industry. Um, I was in New York, yep, uh, based in New York. And uh, uh, in 2009, I became a father. And doing regional theater no longer was as appealing because uh, living on the road away from my son uh, was no longer a sacrifice that I was willing to make. So then I made a, a, a pivot in my, in my life and I invested myself heavily into the, the liquor industry and into sales, marketing and brand building and development. I uh, worked for multiple different companies. I built a, another national spirit the national spirit of Thailand called Mekong. Um, and that's how I was introduced to the craft cocktail world in New York City. Um, I was very fortunate that this was kind of my apprenticeship into this world, the craft cocktail world. I would spend, you know, I would be at two o'clock in the morning at White Star talking to Sasha Petrosky and just learning about the world that he had created. Or sitting at the bar at PDT and talking to Jim Meehan across the bar at one o'clock in the morning and just learning about this next culinary art. Um, I've never been a bartender. I've never been on that side of the bar, but I have a fascination and love for what they do. It's when you have a craft cocktail that is made by uh, an exceptional talent it is one of the more enjoyable moments. It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, 
so that's how I became introduced to the craft cocktail community and the craft cocktail world. Um, I went on to build other brands. And then Stephen sought me out. He sought me out. Um, he had a brand uh, brand management company that got my resume, and and they called me in and they said, "John, we think we got something that's right up your alley." He's like, "Do you know who Steven Soderbergh is?" I was like, "Yeah, I was an actor." He goes, "Well, he's starting a liquor company, and you should come in. You should come in to talk to him." So I had multiple interviews for the job, and finally I met with Steven. And, and I was hesitant. I was hesitant to talk to him about acting. I, did not, I wanted him to know that, look, I've been in this industry for almost 15 years, and I have, I have built other brands. I know, the, I know all the people in this community. This is a part that I know very well, and I know how to brand build, and I know marketing and sales. Um, so I needed him to see me in that frame, However, I also felt it was important for him to know that I was an actor, that we spoke the same language, that him as a director can direct me to tell the story across the world. And that's what, in the end, in our final interview together, I I asked him, I said, what's the story? Direct me on the story and I'll perform it across the world. And we clicked. That we had this, we had something that goes beyond simply just uh, the boss and the employee, but it was, it was a commonality of that we spoke the same language. And that was really important. Bolivia is one of the forgotten countries of South America, that Brazil and Argentina and Peru and Chile, that, but landlocked Bolivia is kind of forgotten. And th- this is their moment. This is their moment as... Mexico to agave and rum to Cuba or scotch to Scotland that Singani is the Singani to Bolivia. And that's, that's really exciting. This can have tremendous uh, ripple effect throughout the entire country. This can affect more flights to Bolivia, more tourism, more hotels, and certainly more farmers and more people to work on, uh, on the vineyards. Um, and this can be part of their identity on the international stage that certain countries are recognized because of the spirit that they produce. Um, and that's exciting. That's a really exciting um, story to be a part of that, that Stephen and I every day are talking about Bolivia. All of a sudden, Bolivia is resonating, is buzzing. And that's that doesn't that doesn't happen. That's that's it. And they are watching this. They're hearing about it. They're seeing it. So this is the second event that I've been to, and uh, certainly in both events, I've noticed two real pillar themes coming out. One on one hand has been uh, respecting Bolivia and and letting Singani kind of you know have its place and have its moment in the world. But then also uh, I've noticed and it's great hearing the story about the cocktail world and, you know, bringing out, you know, cool mixologists and, and, and these things. And I, what I really want to know more about is, is really, you know, the, the potential, I don't want to say conflict, but you, you, there, are, there are maybe tensions between the, those two in terms of 
having a drink and putting it out there in its own right but then also having it um, essentially play a role as as in a cocktail as as and going alongside other ingredients and, and, and other drinks and i'm just fascinated by the thought process of, of really bringing this out there and putting it out into the world and, and i guess respecting those two pillars simultaneously sure um so since since the get-go singani 63 has been about going after the craft cocktail community that they are the most influential, but also the most critical. That if you can get that top tier to embrace this, to become excited about this, and to understand that this is something new, that they have not been able to experience, that has snuck in under the radar for 500 years. And I do, and I, I do say this with all due respect to, to have a moment where you school the professors, to bring something in that they've never heard of that somehow has has not been written about that's been locked in landlocked Bolivia for all this time that is of this quality and of this nature and this good and this flexibility and uh, versatility that doesn't happen that's that's really really exciting and I think bartender and mixologists across the United States and now as we bring it into Europe they have all had that same exact moment that Stephen had they have all had the moment of wait a second I've never had anything like this this is an exciting moment um, and I, I say that like, the likes of Jim Meehan and Sasha Petrosky and Julie Reiner and Ivy Mix and Alex Day these are some of uh, the people that I have the utmost respect for and for them to to say, John, this is something extraordinary that we've never we, we've never heard of. And we've read every book and we thought that we kind of knew all that was out there and yet it had a 500-year legacy. Yeah. 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 How did this thing get away with it? Like, it, it, it's fascinating. It doesn't happen. It yeah. doesn't happen and and to have something like this where every time I bring it around, it has the same moment that Stephen had when he first tasted it at that welcome party that Rodrigo gave him that bottle. And he had that moment of, this is something exceptional. There's something lovely about bringing Singani around. That I, I, I get to bring that around to bartender after bartender across the world. And they all had that same moment that Stephen had. He was right. Stephen was right when he first tasted it. He said, this is an exceptional moment. That was right because I have seen, I've seen it in all of those bartenders' eyes time and time again. I think Stephen talks about how um, this is not something that he made. This is something that he just absolutely loves and that he is simply a vessel to tell the story. To get the story out there would cost tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars to because we have to have access to be able to tell the story over and over and over again and so Stephen really does refer to himself as simply a vessel a vessel to be able to tell the story and get the story of Singani out there Um, and, and his love and his passion for it in conjunction with 
the the Grenier family, who they are one they are our business partners, but they see how Stephen's involvement to help tell the story with their beautiful spirit that they have been making for over a century. Um, he's able to amplify the story just to be able to get it out there. And he's like, use me. Use me as a vessel to get the story out there because I am... I, look, I'm in hook, line, and sinker. This is literally what I drink all the time. This is what I'm celebrating with my family. This is what I'm drinking with my friends. When he goes out, if a bar doesn't have Singani, he's very disappointed. And he gives me a call. He goes, this bar doesn't have it. John, you have to fix this. <laughs> um, but that he he wants Singani everywhere. He actually Stephen feels this is the eighth spirit. That if you have vodka, if you have gin, you have rum, tequila, you have all of those, you have the the dark spirits. That you should also, in terms of the grape, that Singani should be it. That you should have Singani. It's the best expression of the entire grape distillate category, and that should be your expression. Uh, from from you, the home consumer to also any bar that that's where you that you should also be having if you have all those you should also have Singani. But I think but I think it is it is about uh, uh, that moment for us to be able to say no that taste profile that you're tasting of the very floral very aromatic and beautifully smooth note on the end that is Singani. I spend most of my day talking about what Singani is not. This would be our moment to be able to say, no, this is what Singani is. I love reacting to, to what my guests are saying. And the thing that you just said there that really, has, it really brings all of this together, you know, the mixologist angle, the you are missing from our shelves angle, is basically, is there a cocktail that is out there that is the the gate opener is going to be the cocktail that people are going to try they're going to ask for and it can only be made with singani so it's a bit of a tricky question and because most most brands and most marketing companies will say to you you have to have one cocktail and you get that one cocktail and you hit it over and over and over and that's your cocktail and that is one way of going about it. And that's how many have gone about it. However, I've put Singani in the hands of some of the very best mixologists in the world. And what's fascinating about Singani is, is its complexity. Is it's got a little bit of everything going on. And to watch mixologists and bartenders or just even consumers all go on different paths with Singani. Mm -hmm. That's a much larger narrative, and it's a little more of a complex narrative to sell, for sure. To say, say, yes, but we have a peppery quality similar to tequila. Mm -hmm. We have a slight, slight sweetness on the very back of the palate to rum. When blind tasted, we actually get compared more to gin than even to pisco. That aromatics and botanicals, there being a similarity. Who are we to say, no, that's wrong. You should just be doing this. 
what's fascinating to us is to put it in people's hands and to use the aromatic notes of Singani to help elevate almost any cocktail. Luke was talking to us today about how he used it in a Cosmo and how the aromatic notes of Singani helped elevate his cocktail. That it, it, it added a whole other nuance and a whole other level to his cocktail. And that's in a, in a, in a vodka-based cocktail. And yet my wife makes a frozen mojito over the summer. That's amazing. And we have friends that come over and they're saying, well, what was that? That was amazing. What was different about that? And then our brand ambassador in New York, Rael Petit, he made a vucare where he replaced the rye whiskey with it. And in my mind, that shouldn't work to replace a, a dark spirit with Singani. And yet it was beautiful. So to be able to kind of pivot and be able to, to transfer Singani, and again, it's not about replacing because you can use vodka to replace it. It doesn't make it better. But to actually use the aromatic notes of Singani to help elevate any of those cocktails is, is amazing. And, and I think it's also very fun for a consumer to be able to get their hands on a craft spirit of this quality and of this type of legacy and to be able to play with it. We have a craft cocktail book that, that was an experiment of 24 classic cocktails, everything from a mojito to a bramble to a, a, a daiquiri to a vucare, where you're using singane and you're using the aromatic notes to help elevate the cocktails, add a whole other nuance to the cocktail experience. That's very, very appealing. So you could have one spirit that could kind of do it all. One great craft spirit that could, you could throw a, a craft, a craft, uh, uh, you could throw a cocktail party and you have this one spirit that you could really kind of play around with and make a Negroni with, but you can also make a daiquiri with, but you can also make a, a, a margarita with. There's few that are able to add that kind of complexity to all those spirits um, and, and be able to kind of play in, in that regard. And that's, and that's, that's been the the direction that we have felt very strongly about. And we've, again, a, a larger, more complex narrative, but we've really been pushing that regard because of the feedback that we have gotten. We have allowed bartenders and even consumers to allow them to teach us more about Singani than necessarily to dictate to them, oh, this is how you should be doing it. And if you look at some of the other other spirits, they're now trying to, to break away from their, their one cocktail. The Pisco Sour is a very polarizing cocktail with egg white because people, half the population is afraid of egg white, while as the other is okay with it. And now you're seeing them trying to pivot away from the Pisco Sour, and it's difficult. While as from the get-go, our, our narrative has been all of this versatility and and this idea of avoiding the obvious and of elevating your cocktail. Thank you so much to Jonathan for your time. A really fascinating product and story. As ever, I've left their contact details below. If you know of any other great stories you think I should be telling, why not get in touch with me? I'm at Interpreting Wine on Instagram and Facebook, at Wine Podcast on Twitter, 
or hello at interpretingwine.com. See you next time.